Odyssey Richmond is the number one shop for all college basketball fans. We've got you covered. WRVA for UVA Hoops, 96-1 for Virginia Tech, WRNL for your VCU Rams. Midday host on WRNL 910 The Fan, Adam Epstein and his VCU alum friends will discuss the VCU basketball program weekly with insight, analysis, and interviews. This weekly podcast will be the answer for all Virginia Commonwealth Hoops fans. Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! And this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Welcome in, Ram Nation, to another episode of the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. I'm Adam Epstein alongside Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, and Chris Mason. Each week on the show, we break down the most recent results from VCU basketball and look forward to the next game with Temple coming to the stew this Saturday. But, Caleb, we got to start with that Norfolk State loss last week. Yeah, it's been an up-and-down time in Ramland, and uh, that Norfolk State game was very much down. Um, you know, very disappointing performance or result. Um, the guys showed some fight towards the end there, but not uh, not what we wanted to see, uh, considering that Fordham and some of our other peers have beaten that team so badly. Connor, I put that loss on the players much more than the coaching staff. What about you? Uh, you know, Overall, players didn't play well. I mean, there's there's really no way to deny that. 17 turnovers to only 12 assists. I mean, that's just not it's not good basketball. I remember in the pod uh, preceding preceding that game, I mentioned that uh, Robert Jones is a very good coach, and I still stand by that he's a very good coach. Uh, but it wasn't as much. It, it was one thing if Norfolk State came in there and just couldn't miss a shot. I remember five years ago, Charleston came at the Seagull Center, and they were like 16 to like 25 from three or some crazy number. It wasn't like that. They shot two of 16 from three. It wasn't like they were just draining threes. They had a big one late. Uh, but it, I was disappointed with our effort at times. I thought we were a little too lackadaisical. And all of a sudden, we're down eight or nine points, or I think it was 10 points with like eight to go. And it was almost, we were kind of panicking. Um, so I was disappointed in the players' effort. Um, and overall, I just, uh, it was not, look, they're okay basketball team, but you kind of let a team in your state come in there. And we kind of let them push us around, and that's not, a, that's not VCU basketball, straight up. Yeah, you mentioned them pushing us around, and I look at the points in the paint. They had 40, we had 18. They just dictated that, that game. Uh, and kind of, you know, just played our game, but better. And it wasn't the big men dominating in the paint. It was the guards. I mean, Jamari Thomas was getting to the paint easily. And it feels like every game VCU has lost this season, the opposing team hits a clutch three. Yeah. And that's what he that did. That was a big one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, great defense for like 29 seconds. We were down three at that point with a little, it was a little over a minute to go, I want to say. Got, or I think he hit the three with less than a minute. But we're, we're you know, great defense for nine seconds. He pops a three and, and drains it. But yeah, we just, uh, they push us around and uh, we didn't, it just felt like one of those kind of games. It happens in the out of conference where sometimes you just kind of, you know, hey, you, you just came back from a, a tournament or you come off a big win or you're looking towards a big game, kind of like what we were, Memphis. And it felt like they never got into it and um, it bit us in the butt. I mean, there's no way to get around that. Yeah. Going into it last pod, um, Connor and Caleb were like, yeah, this should be an easy win. Just like cruise, help our net. And then it was the exact opposite with the L. But yeah, I said I was hoping it would be an easy no, win. No, but you know, <laughs> Connor's right. I mean, they have a good coach. He, he did yeah. something that I pointed to on my pregame show from the following game, which was VCU went on a run and Norfolk State scored. And then he called timeout. You don't usually see that when you call timeout after your own made bucket, but the crowd was getting into it and he used that to silence us. Yeah, he, I mean, he called a great game, I thought. Um, I mean, the fact that they went two for 16 from three and still beat us, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Um, but, you know, I, I 
credit to them. I mean, they're like Connor said, they're a well-coached team. And uh, that really – that was just a shot in the gut because, you know, our at-large chances were minimal to begin with, but that just basically put the kibosh on any of those thoughts. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was unfortunate, and uh, I hate to have to listen to other fans on Twitter or, you know, what other social media sites um, – just kind of you know talking up their teams and we're not in the conversation but that's re- the reality of the situation right now yeah I mean the paint points frustrating 40 to 18 I think another thing that sticks out to me is fast break points nine for NSU one for VCU and in games we've lost this season we've really struggled to score in the fast break and then we move over to the game that was Wednesday night as Memphis came to the stew uh, two Hardaway brothers in the game there for Coach Penny Hardaway. I watched Blue Chips to prepare for it <laughs> and uh, was very disappointed to see the Rams lose in overtime. Butch that, McCray, baby. Yeah. I was really proud of that effort. That was a really good game. We came out hot. We led the majority of the game. Um, it kind of slipped through our fingers at the end there. You know, if you had a more experienced, uh, maybe tighter-knit team like we did last year, I feel like you probably pull that game out. So these are some of the uh, you know growing pains that we're going to experience, but on the whole, I thought that you know we we got a lot of positives from the guys across the board, particularly Toby uh, Schulg. I thought played a good game. Um, so yeah, see, I thought we lost that game in the first half when we were only up by about six, and it felt like we should have been up by twenty. We were dominating them for the about the first. Uh, half of the first half of that game, and you look at the scoreboard, and they only have a four-point halftime lead. You gotta like, I don't know if you could put a team to bed in the first half, but you gotta come for their throat. It, it felt like we were back in Orlando for sure, where we had this great start, and it's like you're kind of sitting on your hands, waiting for it to evaporate right in front of your eyes. Um, yeah, I mean, going into the half with a four-point lead, it did feel like it should have been more. Um, but you know, again, I thought we came out and we, you know, we. I think that Shulga hit a three coming out of halftime. First possession, I believe. Right? Yeah, which is interesting because he did that uh, in the first half and the second half against Alcorn State. So that, that's kind of a uh, – that might be a scripted thing that Odom's doing, getting him a look right right off the start of half. Especially because uh, he's kind of struggling a little bit from the three-point line. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Anyways, that was just interesting. And I was like, all right, here we go. We're going to – we're punching back again. Um, and, you know, we had a fighter's chance. Zeb kind of just – Missed that layup right at right at the buzzer there. I mean, it was a good take, and I think seven times out of ten he makes that layup. I so. think nine out of ten. I, I almost think he was too open um, at the end and just banged it a little too hard off the glass. I was going to agree. I thought he was too open too. Uh, it was a bummer. Uh, good play call for the most part. Um, that that was one of those examples. You go to a you know this isn't specific to basketball, but you go to a game and uh, your team loses, and you're like, yeah, we could have done a few more things better, but like it wasn't like they played bad. It was a good, good game. You know, we had 13 assists. I think. 12 turnovers. And I think 39 only, bench points. And only three turnovers in the second half? Two, two or three turnovers well, in the second half? I, I was say. just going to say, the fact yeah. that we flipped the script on the whole turnover thing, and um, they had 18 turnovers and we had 12, mm-hmm. that was great because that's been a major concern of ours. Going you know, And then the fact that we had eight steals uh, versus their seven, I mean, we couldn't steal the ball against Norfolk State at all. I think we had no. one turnover, or we forced one turnover. Might not even been a steal. We might have had zero With steals zeros, against Norfolk State. Zero steals against Norfolk State. So, I mean, the fact that you can go in and play a team like Memphis, it shows to me that this team has the – they got the firepower to compete with some of the best. And, uh, you know, we saw that in Orlando, but this just kind of hammers at home. Now it's getting a little more consistent. 
Yeah. Toby Lawall, 16 points and eight rebounds in that game. And so Bummery fouled out. Uh, I know that there was, you know, there's been some kind of argument about we felt like he had some iffy foul calls in the second half. Uh, but I will say, and, and it was one of those things, you know, you're in the moment, you don't think about it. I didn't like our chances in overtime without Toby. Uh, I kind of felt like we had to win it in regulation. And it's kind of weird. I don't think that way very often at home. A lot of times you're on the road and you're like, and you're in a situation where you have a chance to win. You're like, I want to win in regulation because it's hard to win a, win a game on the road in overtime. Uh, but without Toby playing in the second half, because I mean, he was, he was, Javon Quinterly was the, the 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 best player in that game, but like Toby was the best big man in that game. He was he was getting every single rebound, every single putback, altering shots, and he that was kind of I mean he's had a good season so far. That was kind of his almost like his national coming out party. I was getting I was seeing like uh, t- tweets about him by national pundits and such. Yeah, so that was kind of a bummer that he couldn't play in every time because he fouled out. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean uh, that's a bona fide Power Five roster. Uh, Malcolm Dandridge is an absolute unit of a player, and Toby was out there. I mean, and he is two feet above everyone out there. I mean, he just pops off the screen. You could see Penny Hardaway just like, what can we do to box this guy out? I mean, he's getting frustrated. And you know if he's getting frustrated about one of our big guys, he's getting to you. Yeah. So, I mean, I love what I saw from Toby in that game. And I, I'll get to this in a little bit in my yeah. stat section later. But, um, yeah. It's important that the Rams get more consistent scoring from the front court, but they used that offensive outburst against Memphis, scoring 80 points, and turned it around, did the same thing against the Alcorn State Braves. Final score, Rams win 86-58. to This was a game that was single digits for most of the first half. Then the Rams broke out, and I believe, yeah, 17 three-pointers for the game. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm never going to complain about uh, beating someone by 30. I do worry a little bit about that win being a little bit of fool's gold um, because, yeah, like you said, 17 for 39 from threes. But, I mean, we just destroyed – well, well, we had a nine-rebound advantage. But I felt like that we were just getting offensive rebounds, tons of extra possessions because we were athletically superior to them, which yeah. was allowing us to get extra shots. Um, and I feel like, yeah, we were just overwhelming them. And luckily we started hitting. I'm happy we won by 28. I love that we went 17 to 39 from three. I love that I took one for the team and Kwani Kwani hit four threes. Mm-hmm. I love all that. At the same time, Alcorn State is not good. Uh, and we're going to play another opponent, uh, Maryland Eastern Shore, in two games. That's going to be in a similar boat. They're not a good opponent. I, the guys needed that. It helps metrics and in general. The guys just needed a game that was zero pressure. Because uh, I think Temple upcoming this Saturday might be, I don't think it's going to be tight, tight, but it's going to be, it, they're a more talented team than Alcorn State. So I'm glad the guys got a big win, but kind of like what you said. You know, I'm not, I'm not crowning them anything yet. Uh, let's see, let's see some more. Connor lost the bet. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, anyways, on, on 2K's ability to hit an outside shot. So, yes, we're excited about 2K being able to shoot, though. Yeah, <laughs> we are. And um, of course, since we had three home games, that means we do have a few crowd reviews to get to. We hand it off to the professor, Chris Mason. Time's up, and the professor has arrived at classes with grades in hand. We're gonna have recess all the time. Woo! How rowdy was the stew last night? Here to grade the crowd's performance, it's Chris Mason, crowd rating. All right, I'll go through all three games, give a grade, and then I'll do a first semester overall grade since it's finals week, and I'll get your feedback at the end. So Norfolk State, that's a C plus. There's a lot of Norfolk State fans there. They're making noise. I tweeted out, felt like a 5-12 upset. Um... They have to VCU fans have to protect home court better there. Um, Memphis, I'll go B plus. The buzz was in the energy, had that feel walking around like the crowd is ready to explode. 
there's like a buzz um student section super into it but um like evaporating that lead um had an impact but good overall didn't quite get there but that's a b plus um oh yeah and was that the game matt henry i think was like hyping up the crowd yes yeah, yeah so really that shouldn't be uh we love required coach matt henry yeah, AWOD Army member, um, but that shouldn't be required of an assistant coach to be yelling with your biggest home game of the year or one of the biggest. You got to do better than that, not rely on good old Matt Henry to hype you up. And then um, Alcorn State, that's a B minus. Um, uh, it's a grade on a little bit of a curve here. It was rainy, hurricane warnings on your phone. Sunday, could people could be watching Red Zone, so... Um, I'll go B minus. Got loud with um, Toby Dunks, but so overall, I'll go um, C plus first semester grade. It was, it's been okay. It's been good, but not elite. It doesn't. It's not more life altering than a ten day trip to Europe. I was a little. I, I was impressed with the crowd against Alcorn State. I mean, you're coming off of two back to back losses. One's heartbreaking loss to Memphis. Like you said, it's Sunday, two p.m. NFL had a lot of good games uh, going on this past weekend, uh, but I thought the crowd was cool. And when Toby Lawall dunked and then put up the "You Are Miniature" <laughs> statue thing, it was so funny. I I just love that. Uh, I love Toby dancing. Uh, I just love him getting into it. He's become the fan favorite this year. It seems like they were doing Toby chants like Toby, Toby. Yeah, and he was like loving it. He has some kind of. Uh, I don't, I don't know if we use the word marketable kind of ness, but there's a there's there's a sense you know in my lifetime there's been some fan favorites like Brandon Rossell would hit threes, crowd would get wild. Uh, when we were in college, Mo Alicox, Bronte Weber. Most recently, last year, David Shriver when he got in the ball, especially <laughs> in the in the in a ten play, the whole arena was like ready ready to stand up because you felt like he was. Just, I mean, he was shooting like fifty six percent from three in the f- first half of the a ten season. So Toby, it's like as soon as he gets the ball in the paint, or <laughs> heck for a rebound, it's it, I think everyone's prepared for him to do something amazing. So I do agree that there's a buzz with Toby right now more than any other player on the team. Absolutely, good crowds. Yeah, I was. Um, I thought the Memphis cr- crowd was good. Um, it didn't seem totally sold out to me, which was, I guess, understandable after the Norfolk State game. Um, and yeah, I mean, I thought every every time you get these fans, though, it, uh, after a few losses, everyone's engaged. We've talked about it before, but I just love you know how into it everybody is. So it, I mean, it, to me, it feels like it's just as loud as if it's uh, you know a sellout crowd with, uh, you know, just corporate seats or just, you know, whatever, sold tickets that aren't, don't have butts in them. But I don't know. I thought it was a good crowd. Overall, yeah. Alcorn, too. Yeah, Alcorn was fine. It was cold as hell in there. I felt like it was a damn. Yeah. I felt like I was in, like, the rocky, like, meat, meat, like, section. Us us both working in the HVAC industry, we can explain that. Exactly. Yeah, it it is what it is. But, uh, no, uh, overall, the season so far, I kind of hear you, Chris, on your rating. Overall, it's a C+. Uh, you said it was C plus overall for this season. Yeah, conference uh, play should help. It's been, it hasn't been as bad as uh, random VCU fans on Twitter or Ram Nation. It hasn't been that bad. It also, it could be better. I think that, I think, I think we'll say that. Like it's gotten, Sanford game got loud when it needed to. Radford game is a piece of cake. I mean, I, I went at the Seattle game, but Norfolk State game got loud towards the end. I just, there's a lot of Norfolk State fans there. Memphis game got loud. Alcorn was kind of fun. Uh, and we'll see how the, the, the last games before Christmas without students. They're usually fun. They do more Christmas promos, dance team wears Christmas stuff, uh, that kind of thing. So we'll you know we'll see how the crowd is for the the, the winter break games before the new year. Yeah, so. I, I think the crowd for just VCU Ram Nation has been really good. The disappointing part, same as last season, to me has been the student section. 
right? Like, and I want to dive into this on a on a on a later pod. But I was hearing that there's not a rowdy ram section anymore. Did you guys hear that? I've heard they got rid of it. Yeah, like two I, years I, ago. I, me personally, what are they doing? That that's what students need. Right. I don't know. I don't know why they would scrap that. Um, but, yeah, they yeah. know the you know Swiss when we were in college. Yeah. He's like thirty five. Yeah. I might have to step into that role next year and just be <laughs> like think, the old I, guy. I, I think you. <laughs> I think he was like thirty five when we were in school. Like, yeah. I think he's yeah. Uh, yeah he's that's what I mean. But yeah, he yeah. was inspirational. Like he was the reason that I wanted oh, yeah, to definitely. go and get there early. And it seems like we don't have you know that kind of like face of the fan base that's either a student or a former student anymore. Maybe it should be the professor. But until then, we hand it off to <laughs> the stat monster, Caleb Jones. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Let's hand it off to Caleb Jones, the stat monster. I feel like I keep belaboring our three-point shooting numbers versus the amount of possessions we have and the points per possessions on those. Um, But I do want to touch on three-point shooting a little bit uh, more. We are currently 32.9% from three, which is 183rd in the country. That's pretty much smack dab in the middle uh, of, of, of all the teams um, in Division I. Um, we are 15th in the country in three-point rate per Bart Torvik and uh, three points attempted out of our field goals attempted per Ken Palm. So uh, to me, we are uh, – we're emphasizing something that we're not particularly strong at. And I think it's probably because it's the path of least resistance and it's the easiest thing to do, particularly when a play breaks down. Uh, You're at the end of the shot clock. Of course, you're just going to shoot at three. Um, But with that being said, we live and we die by the three. And, uh, you know, somehow against Memphis, we shot about 24% from three and we hung in that game. But that's not going to happen, you know, most nights. So either we get hot like we did against Alcorn State or it's going to be a long night. Um, but, I, you know, like I said, keep talking about three-point shooting numbers. I keep talking about points per possession. I want to focus on a few positive and fun stats. The first being Jason Nelson shooting 47% from three. We have either got to get his volume up or let him keep shooting at that as much as he is and just have other guys chip in and shoot just as well. He also made two extra ones against Alcorn State that didn't count yeah. because other people I feel like fouled. it was more than that. Well, yeah, 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 it was yeah. definitely two, though, in yeah, the first half. The crowd was going nuts. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, he he's hot. I mean, he's almost 50% from three. That is scorching. And uh, I think he's had 36 attempts, which is almost half of Zeb's. I mean, uh, half of Sholga's. I actually think it's dead on half. It is half. And uh, – Zeb, I want to say, has had 60-some attempts. Yep, 62. So, you know, Jason Nelson obviously missed the game, so that's going to dock him a few shots. But um, his volume's just got to go up. Um, and, you know, he, he's playing uh, a fair amount of minutes. I want to say 60% of our minutes. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from JNL. Next up is Toby. He's 24 for 24 on dunks, 100%. That's a pretty good shooting percentage, right? Uh, that is more than Deron Holmes, and I do have a life, and I didn't get to go through the entire A-10, but I don't think anyone's close to him in terms of dunks made this year. Um, I, there are m- several teams that Toby has more dunks than, uh, Richmond being one of them, I'm, I'm fairly positive. Yeah, they, they, they don't have a dunk in West, right, in West right. Hampton. I'd have to go back and check the numbers. Um, yeah. 
even the team like Duquesne, I, I, I think that they had less dunks than Toby did uh, individually. Um, what kind of got me on that train, I, someone tweeted something, and it was about Zach Eady, that he has like 32 made dunks on the season. I was like, hmm, I bet Toby's Torres, pretty, The Torres guy? Maybe. I, I don't, like, yeah, he works like Fox Sports. I saw the, I saw the tweet. Maybe. I don't know. I was like, well, I bet Toby's pretty close to that. And it, it's true. Toby has eight less dunks than him. However, Zach Eady has over 70% of their minutes. Right. Toby's at 52.1% of our minutes. Uh, the point being, Toby is coming along. He's shooting super high percentage shots. His effort, his rebounding, everything's through the roof. So the bigger picture, we have two guys that are emerging. You have Zeb, you have Shulga. Those are our two best guards, ball-dominant guys. And now you have Jason Nelson entering the mix. You have Toby really establishing himself. And Adam, to your credit, he is playing the five a lot right now. Now, I don't know if that's because we're playing small teams like Alcorn State, um, but he was playing the five a lot against Memphis just because he was out out jumping everyone. Yeah. So that allows us to play faster, um, you know, and, and gives us some good versatility because, let's face it, we're not, we're not uh, running our, our offense through the block. Right. Not until maybe Sean Bearsay gets back and that starts. But um, I love what I'm seeing from those two guys. And my last thing is uh, Christian Furman's averaging two blocks a game, which I want to say is good for like 24th in the country. Um, he's establishing his role. Roles are being allocated. Our studs are stepping up and playing well. And once we get Sean Bearsay back, I'm really thinking that this whole picture is going to make a lot more sense. So there is – Reason for optimism. So with Christian Furman, I think the guards need to do a better job getting him the ball in positions to score. Uh, he has several games this season where he hasn't scored, and we need more points from the front court. Um, then I would also say, get your take on this from the offense, it feels like a lot of times there's penetration without getting all the way to the cup, and we get caught in no man's land. And I noticed a lot in Orlando – I also noticed it against Norfolk State, where it's a lot of, hey, we beat our man, and then the opposing team, they've just got, like, pack line D, and we're forced to kick it back out. So it's funny you say that. Um, on offense, our block percentage is, per Kempom, is 6.2, which is 30th in the country. Our shots don't get blocked. I mean, yeah, and guys are probably shying well, probably away from being not, aggressive. Right, they're not the going basket. all the way to the basket. But, right? yes, I mean, this is a clear stylistic Thing. And I mean, like there are numbers to support exactly what you're saying. And, you know, there's guys that can do it. Shulga and Zeb can both. Zeb will finish over you. Shulga is good at using his body, going Luca and getting fouled and yeah. stuff like that. But agreed that the aggressiveness to the hole has to be there because our two point shooting percentage is excellent. It's uh, 52nd in the country. Yeah. I also think Michael Bell is slowly getting better at that, but man, I just want him to sometimes just pick up the ball, take two steps, and see what happens. You mentioned Bell. Uh, Norfolk State, he was a little gun shy at times. He had a couple chances where he had the ball at the top of the key, kind of driving. He passed it off. I don't know if it, he had. He was thinking back to Orlando, make, making some. Make, maybe he made a mistake in Orlando. He didn't want to do it. Memphis, he was a little more aggressive. So I do agree. I think Bell has a little, maybe a little floater in him because he gets so high. Caleb, you kind of stole a stat. I wanted to point out, you mentioned, you were kind of going on about Toby and his, his shooting percentages here. Yes, we are f number 52 in the nation in two-point percentage this year. That is excellent. And that's something we didn't really have in the Rhodes era. 
you mentioned Furman, Fur- his block rate right now. We're 37th in the nation in block percentage. Yep. We get a lot of blocks. Heck, you know, Zeb gets out there and gets blocks. That's that's two stats like I've, I've noticed that I did not – maybe blocks a little bit with Hassan Ward, guys like that. I didn't really feel like we had much the last few Jay years. now logged a block this uh, past game. He, he did. That's How good, about that? Good point. <laughs> so, and his, shoot, his shooting percentage is so good, man. Nelson's oh, been – he's been – He's been better than that. He's been better than I thought he was going to be this this far into the season. I thought he was going to take a while to gel. Toby, uh, so Bart Torvik also has a close two point percentage, which I'm assuming is just basically layups and dunks. That's 87. percent I mean, just get him close to the basket, and I mean, good things are happening. Yeah, so. and he misses that close, he's going to also but, get his own rebound. But also, um, to follow up on the Furman comment that you made. Uh, yeah, I mean, he can finish a little bit around the rim, but still it doesn't have to be his role. I mean, he could be a Ben Wallace type right now where he's just snagging boards, blocking shots, uh, you know, setting good screens, moving well with the But you the know as, as well as I do that the best teams in the A-10 every year, they get their center easy buckets. The way Jalen Deloach last year was having a few dunks because Ace was driving and dishing, that's what we're missing right now is – we have the we we have one of the best backcourts in the A10. We're not getting enough from the front court, and I'm not expecting it to be a freshman Michael Bell, and I'm not expecting me Kwani Kwani who's inconsistent with his outside shot. But if it's not going to be Furman, who's it going to be? I guess it's going to have to be Toby Lowell. Yeah. Uh, but the, the one thing I'll point out, I heard from a birdie within the last week while eating dinner at a restaurant. For this birdie does not is not a huge fan of when Furman and Toby Lawal play together. So notice that you'll never see you'll very rarely see Furman and Lawal play together. Just heard it from a birdie. That's all. I, all that's all I'm gonna say about that. But that you mentioned that it's not gonna happen together. It's Lawal gonna be in there. Maybe Kwani's with him, or Bell's gonna sign on the four, and Furman's gonna be there. He, this it's just not it, the two of them are not gonna play together. I just want to point that out. Yeah, great. No, great source. I I like that. Um, <laughs> also. Awad, it's not like the Mike Rhodes offense, like chuck it down low to Brandon Johns or DeLoach. His whole thing, he's like, with Mike Rhodes' play, it's kind of like, it's all three-point if you're open, shoot it. So I don't know if they'll ever be like, chuck it down low. There is zero, right now, in all the games that we've played, and again, this could change with Barristow. He might, you know, be a great outlet passer out of the post. Um, But there is zero emphasis on getting the ball to the post. Yeah. At all. But um, I'd like to and see I, it. And I think, yeah, yeah I agree. I, and I think that where our bigs are going to do best, especially their skill set right now, is when our guards penetrate and you have that little dump down pass. Yeah. You draw a guy, and he has to make a decision, either guard you for the layup or whatever. Yeah, and I want to see more of that because that's how Zeb has gotten a few turnovers, right? His yeah. driving and, and the pass inside gets deflected. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, Connor, you, you mentioned a little birdie. That brings up uh, the Temple Owls, right? You like that transition? <laughs> I like That's it. Pretty Respect- money. Respectful. They come to the Seagull Center this Saturday, and I've been saying on my show, it's a revenge game, not just for the team, but for the boys in the pod that went up there to <laughs> Temple last year, and we witnessed a loss. It was it was pretty much awful. That whole day stunk. It was rainy. Uh, the game experience was awful. It was atrocious. I remember we had a pod a year ago. Our friend Gabrielle left the voicemail, and she was she was talking about how bad the crowd was and stuff. It was pretty bad. But no, I agree. It's it's uh you know we have a couple guys on the team that played in that game. Uh, so a little rematch. It is interesting. I, I will point out with Temple. I mean, they have similar to VCU. They have a new coach, Adam Fisher, who was an assistant coach of all places at Penn State last year. Uh, but has been an assistant of he's he's a grad assistant from Villanova, Miami assistant for about six or seven years for Jim Laranaga. Uh, so and they bring back, you know, two of their their leading scorers so far, and this is a team that's six and three so far. Uh, I'll point out one of their wins is against a non D one opponent, so really they're five and three. And doesn't count. Yeah, does not account. I agree. <laughs> their best win so far is against Drexel, who's okay, just outside the top hundred. But uh, 
a team that by now, you know, they're better than Alcorn State. They're better than Maryland Eastern Shore, who we play in a few weeks, but they're nothing special. But their two leading scorers so far, uh, Heisier Miller and Jaleel White, played on Temple last year. Uh, I think they were like their fifth. You got something? Uh, a question. Isn't Jaleel White Urkel's name? Am I wrong? I did not know that. I, I don't know about that. You, I, you a big Family Matters guy? I, I, <laughs> I mean, I grew up in the 90s, yeah, yeah. so kind of. <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, let's. let's anyway, sorry. Professor, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the yeah. answer in a second. Yeah, but uh, that's a good question. We'll find out in a second. <laughs> it but, is Jaleel White. Yeah. And this yeah. is Jalil. Eh, spelling difference. Yeah. Spelling difference. Same All name. right. We're yelling Urkel on Saturday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But they're, uh, they're two leading scorers. Did you see so how far. happy he was to tell everyone that, though? Yeah, like, I just <laughs> saw that and I was like, that's Urkel. All right. All right. I. Yeah, we're gonna make some Urkel. Steve sign. Urkel, we're all Urkel that. Sign. All right, so but yeah, they're, they're the two leading scorers thus far, and they both came from Temple last year. One guy I point out is, I'm, I'm, I'm he's Italian, so I'm gonna probably butcher his name. Matteo Piccarelli, he was balling against LaSalle two weeks ago in that triple overtime game. He mm. can play a little bit. Played three years at UMBC. Who was his coach his first year? 2020, 2021. It's Ryan Odom. No so he, so Odom hasn't. So he played one year for Odom. The last two years for whoever's at UMBC nice now. Pull. Um, so you know. The, Newer kind of roster, newer coach. Look, Temple is not the Temple of, I mean, in the words of Chris Mason. You got it. Deontay Christmas isn't walking through that door. This is not the Fran Dunfrey peak or John Chaney sending in the goons and stuff. This is not great Temple. This is Temple sold their soul for football to join the American Conference and has no basketball culture anymore. Similar to our VCU's former our travel ODU. Uh, but this is still a solid basketball team. They're an American Conference team. They they have good players and such. Uh, so we got to come out and ready to play. We need to play. We I'm not expecting us to hit 17 threes like we did against Alcorn. Also, a big stat for Temple to keep track of. They're 10th so far on Kempom and offensive turnover percentage. Do not turn the ball over that much. Mm. Were you surprised they fired their coach at the end of last season? Aaron McKee stunk for four but years. How, oh, was he there for four years? That whole, they were, like they were that that they whole were thing bad. with Fran in 2019 uh, – our uh, college basketball pundit, John Rostin, was not happy with the way two Philly schools handled their coaching situations. They kind of like basically fired, fired Fran, or, and ba- ba- they basically made Aaron McKee the coach in waiting that year. Right. And then they just fired, uh, St. Joe's fired Martelli. So they kind of like screwed two Philly coaches in one season. But McKee, they just never made progress. They, their biggest problem is just joining the American. They have no basketball culture whatsoever. So, um, but yeah, that new coach, and he is, you know, he has a good pedigree, uh, but it's first year coaching. So. Yep, but like we were at last year, they had no student section, so VCU, we need the crowd to be loud. Yeah, and the guy last year, Khalif Battle, leading scorer, had 27. He transferred to Arkansas, so we're good there. Phew. Well, he a, went off. Didn't someone at Houston, too? Uh, Ron, uh, Don. Don that, he's one from North Carolina. Yeah, he's at Houston yeah. now. So Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think you know Temple's a quality opponent, but it's, it's going to come down to we've got to play our game, and for most of the games this season, I, I feel like I'm saying the same thing. We know we're going to get from Zeb. We know what we're going to get from Max Schulg. We need a third score. Who is it going to be Saturday? Uh, <clears throat> I don't think this is – this isn't my answer, but I would love to see it be 2K again. I mean, that that, that was that was awesome. Yeah. Just to see that for him. Just make it your answer. I mean, he was smiling. Yeah. Um, oh, and, and after the game, they talked about how much time he spent in the BDC. Yeah. They say that Toby is there every morning. And that Kwani Kwani was meeting him there and getting up shots. And you love that because it, it could have been easy for him to get discouraged and say, you know what, my shot's just not working. I'm going to go to the basket. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you asked, I think Toby, Toby's my pick. And the reason being is they start a very interestingly sized lineup. Um, their guards are kind of normal size. Their four guy is 6'5", 280, just an absolute Mack truck. But then they have a guy that played for Howard last year, Settle, 
and he is 6'10", 180. Mm. And I think if Toby's matched up with him, it's uh, it's going to be uh, advantageous for Toby. I'll say that. That's going to be fun to watch. Two other guys on Temple's roster I want to point out. Jordan Riley, Jr., transferred from Georgetown, so played at a big E school. Another guy, Zion Stanford. He's a true freshman, two-time All-State Player of the Year at West Catholic High. Do you, do you, are you familiar with West Catholic High in Philly, Chris? No, but I oh. did see high school on there I was is, familiar with. Is that where Xavier Brown came from, from uh, St. Joe's? I'm honestly not sure, but one thing I'll say, if, if I'm on a telecast and someone says, hey, he's a two-time All-State player at West Catholic High, I'm getting hyped because like that just sounds like he's a baller in Philly. Because <laughs> any, any Philly Catholic school team, it could be a crappy team. Don't show me the numbers. You've sold me already if you're yeah. an announcer. So it might be, honestly. I mean, it's... That's where Will Smith went before his uh, mom got upset and sent him. It was in, it was in West Philadelphia. No, I'm just kidding. It's I'm West Philadelphia, <laughs> born and raised. So. I had Caleb convinced him and uh, him and uh, Will Chamberlain went to the same high school. I think it's like Overland or okay. Overbrook or something. But yeah. I've heard of Newman Garetti. West Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah Newman Garetti and Great Valley. We used to play. I in think sports. I played Newman Garetti one time. Yeah, they're pretty solid. All right, it's time to get into this week in Ram history, and that segment is hosted by Connor Bailey. This week in VCU basketball history. Every episode, Connor will break down a memorable game in VCU basketball history that took place during this week in time. Ram fans, we got a dual uh, week in VCU history game set up this week. So going back five years, uh, we had a span, two road games in a span of five days, both in the city of Austin, one in the city of Austin, one in the city of Charlottesville. Uh, so December 5th, 2018, VCU heads to Texas to play the Longhorns in Austin. This is the second half of a cont- contracted home-and-home home series uh, after former VCU coach Shaka Smart took the job at Texas. Uh, so in the 2017-28 season, Texas came to VCU. VCU lost a heartbreaker, cut one of those games down the, down the whole game, cut it, or trailed by 14 at one point, took a one-point lead, couldn't score it on the stretch, and Texas won by, I believe, four. Uh, but this is the second half, and uh, it's Mike Rhodes' second year coaching. Uh, I'm just going to start off by saying it was an ugly basketball game. 54 to 53 was the final score. Uh, we'll get to who won in a second if you don't know. But VCU shot 28% from the floor that game. Uh, largest lead for VCU was three. Texas largest lead was five. Uh, if you guys remember Dylan, I'm, I'm going to butcher his last name, o- Osakowski. He kind of he had oh, yeah. he had long hair. Then he had cornrows at one point. I'm pretty sure uh, he was a two lane transfer. Uh, in the second half, he he had a dunk that gave Texas a 49-45 lead with just under eight to go. Uh, Marcus Evans hits a couple free throws with a little over six to go, uh, so the lead's 49-47 Texas. Uh, Marcus Santos Silva ties the game on a layup with 5-12 to go, make it 49-49. You'll notice in these little sections, a lot of time lapses between scoring. This is it's how the game was. Um, so tie game with 4.54 to go. Esetkowski misses a front over 1-1. One one. The next possession, Isaac Van kicks 1-2. Who hits the big three to take a three-point lead? Mobley. Sean Mobley with four. It's funny. He hit the big three was with 440 left. It feels like it was with a minute to go. But it was I, with, I could have sworn there was 50 seconds left it, in the game. Hit three to take a 52-49 to 49 lead with 440 left. Uh, Jericho Sims, who's he? He was in the Nets at one point. He's He might be somewhere else now. Yeah, that but, dude is very bouncy. <laughs> he's, yeah, but he's been a better NBA player than college player. He had a jumper to cut it to 52-51 with 413. Isaac Van made a few, so no one scores for a minute and a half. Isaac Van makes some free throws with 2.36 left to take a 54-51 lead. Um, I was watching this game on YouTube. Our friend Mr. Chill, who makes all the v, uh, VCU videos on YouTube, I'd for, kind of forgotten Marcus Evans was dealing with really bad cramping that night. Um, he cut out of the game. You could tell he was almost, he was like screaming because he was cramping was so bad. So he comes out of the game with like two and a half left. 
Uh, Kerwin Roach gets a steal and makes a layup with 124 left to cut it to 54 to 53. Uh, VCU doesn't score. Texas doesn't score. VCU doesn't score. Uh, eight seconds left. Texas has the ball. Shaka calls a play for Matt Coleman, who's a Virginia Beach native. Yeah. Uh, for a jumper, or it was kind of a kick out to him. He shot a three at the buzzer. It looked good. I mean, it looked very good. Mm-hmm. Misses it. Game over, 54-53. VCU wins. I, as a VCU fan, um, and I, there's a lot of VCU fans who felt the same way. I kind of felt some closure. You know, it, I was bummed when Shaka left, but I mean, it's eight year or we're on year nine since he left. I really don't care anymore. But after we beat him, it was kind of like, all right, yeah. I don't like really that era. That was a former era is what it is. Uh, it was a good road win for us. Uh, top top 40 Texas team, quad one win. Uh, Texas went on to win the NIT, the NIT that year, but that was a huge road win for us. Uh, and, you know, we went on to go 25-6, and six, win the A-10, 16-2, NCAA 8 seed. It's a good win. Uh, I bring this game up. This is the first game that I'm mentioning because we had a, one of our members of our pod. Uh, was that that game? Caleb, give me a give me a crowd uh, and uh, just a whole game experience. Yeah, so first off, we – Definitely went because my sister lived in Austin, so my whole family made a, a trip out of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just a rock fight. It felt like one of those CAA games where it was like us versus Drexel on like a Monday night in the middle of February. It was just ugly. And um, I mean, yeah, like you said, we shot 29% from the floor. Like, ugh. But anyways, um, <laughs> crowd was pretty dead. VCU had a, had a decent showing. And just in true fashion, we kind of took over their arena. I mean, basically it was us, I mean, probably a few hundred VCU fans uh, cheering and then their band. And, like, they had very few just actual fans there. You mentioned attendance. It says the the former arena, Frank Irwin Center, holds 16,540. It says attendance was 8,190, which is 50%. This is the ESPN. Yeah. I'm taking the under on that. I've watched that game on YouTube. Definitely less than half I of would say, <laughs> I would honestly say it was 3,000 people. Yeah, it was, I mean, you could hear the VCU fans chant. It was awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, it was a great game, and it was just awesome to get out of there with a win. I remember after uh, Matt Cullen missed that shot, Sean Medley walking down the floor with the hook, the horns him and, down. Him and Kel Sims. And I was, was like, like yeah. oh, God. I mean, kind of cool, but. Everyone does yeah. this. It beats Texas. Yeah, so. it was it was kind of old, but him and Kel, and Kel Sims doing the horns down was my like my computer background for a while. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, that's when I realized I was like, all right, this team this team's good. Um, and definitely glad I made the trip. So, uh, tell us about the happy hour pregame. Oh uh, yeah. Um, so I well I got there and um, they serve drinks in the concourse and um, sorry to talk about my drinking escapades on for this <laughs> trip, but. Uh, yeah, they had a happy hour deal where it was just uh, 50% off of whatever you got. So uh, I ordered a six-pack, and, <laughs> and they let me take it, and it was like 9 bucks. And I was like, all they right. They let you take it into the arena? I just, it was in the concourse around the, the uh-huh. uh, where you enter. So I just took it. They gave me the six-pack, and <laughs> I just took the six-pack down to my seat and just drank the whole thing. That's awesome. <laughs> VCU, what are you guys doing, man? I mean, come on. you got to be doing better than that. Well, um, uh, I watched it with you on Boulevard with Gab, right? I think Bronwyn was there too. Oh, I think really? It was like the four of us. Yeah, it was. It was like a, I think it was a. It was a Wednesday night. Like it was an ESPNU game, a hundred percent. It was definitely. It wasn't on the two or the. It wasn't yeah. on the deuce or anything. Uh, but hey, fun win overall. It was awesome. Five days later, we go to Charlottesville. Um, final score is fifty-seven forty-nine. UVA wins. I'm just gonna get that out there in general. But uh, big thing for that game. It was a snowy day in rich or in, in Central Virginia and into Western Virginia. And I remember that week I was kind of monitoring the snow all week. And it was one of those things. It was like, oh, it might be an inch or two. Then like Saturday, it's like, hey, it might be four inches. It's snowed a foot on Sunday in Charlottesville and Richmond. It, it was kind of it was kind of one of those sneaky ones. Um, but regarding the game, uh, it was late in the first half. That I, one of the cool things I was I went up with my brother and my dad and my at the time girlfriend now wife, who's a UVA grad, UVA fan. 
Um, and late in the first half, we were sitting in the upper deck. I remember the PA announcer just yells, anyone in the arena can go to the lower level, which is cool. Uh, baseball stadiums do that during rain delays. When people come back into the stadium, they're like, everyone's on the lower level. It looks better for TV. So I sat on the lower level at JBJ, which tickets are usually like $200. Like, it was pretty cool. That was one cool thing. Ugly game, just like Texas. Ugly game. It was 29-24 UVA at the half. Both teams were awful from three-point. I mean, just it was – we shot uh, – BCU shot 20% from three. They shot 27%. This is a UVA team that went on to win the national title that year. Um, but it was – like I said, it was a snow game. It took like an hour and a half – or it took like two hours to get up there. Uh, it was – I was like nervous the whole – during the whole game. I was like, the ride home's going to stink. But that's a different conversation. But um, I remember late in the game, 6.53 left, a freshman Vince Williams made this up-and-under layup high off the glass to take a five-point lead, 43-38. Uh, back and forth for a while, Deonta Jenkins hit a jumper with 447 left to get a 45-44 lead. Then a controversial call hat happened. Uh, Do you guys remember this play? Yeah, Ty. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so with uh, the next possession, Ty Jerome makes a three while Kyle Guy is quote unquote fouled while he was kind of going around a pick. I thought Jack's. I thought Jack Salt. He slipped over Jack Salt's foot, but honestly, so I thought it should have just been a three pointer and keep playing. But they called a foul after the three. Five point swing, just like that. UVA is at forty nine, forty five. It's a bad call. Um, where the whistle like definitely happened before the. That's what I was, I was, that was my whole takeaway. Yeah. It's like it. It's the play should have been dead. Yeah, it's a foul on yeah. Kyle. Guy, I just didn't think. Shots, I didn't even think it was a foul, honestly. But I, right. the, the the play was in a low scoring game. A five point swing is yeah. so huge. We had no chance. The ride home. It was a three hour drive home from Richmond. Uh, for me and I, you guys are probably in the same boat. My now wife's miserable because she's like kind of anxious and stuff. I'm anxious. We're in the back seat, both doing the thing where we're both kind of veering towards the middle, just watching the road. My brother, anyone who's met my my brother Michael, he um sometimes uh doesn't get fate. He gets phased by certain things and doesn't get phased by some things. He is just reeling off stats the whole ride home. And Morgan's just sitting there very nervous. I'm sitting there nervous. Mike's just yapping about like Corey Alexander and the '90s UVA teams. (laughs) Uh, so he was just cool as a cucumber the whole ride home. I know both of you guys were at that game, right? Yeah. Yeah, I got to give two quick shout outs. Um, my sister, Michaela, I sat with her um, UVA student. She was like studying pregame in the seat. Very UVA to do. Very UVA. <laughs> but then, hey, respect. And yeah, the, the voicemail coming up from Mason. I went with him actually. And yeah, he was what he had a Cowboys Eagles on his phone. We were <laughs> driving like 20 miles an hour on the drive back. So. It was a long ride home. This is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, an affiliate of the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. You can get in touch with us on social media, Black Gold Fan Pod. And uh, like Chris said, we do have a voicemail coming up from Mason Chandler. But first, it's time for AWOD's Energy. It's time for AWOD's Energy. What about VCU Hoops has AWOD pumped up for this week? So I guess the first part of my energy has to be that I, I've got energy once again, and I'm glad to be doing the podcast. I was uh, very ill last week. The uh, funny thing is, is on Sunday night, I was hanging out with a friend, and I said, this has been the best weekend ever. I don't want uh, the weekend to end. And then I ended up getting sick and missed the entire week of work. Um, so it was a full week of an illcation. Not fun at all. I... Um, the flu got me. Uh, I don't think I've had the flu since I was like a, a child, and it got me bad. Uh, but my energy is that I'm back here in the stew, feeling good, ready for a week of shows, and glad to be doing the podcast. Second part of my energy, Vince Williams shutting down Luka Doncic. Let's go. I yeah. mean, can we have a moment for that? How cool was that Vince Williams is shutting down Luka so much that he's saying he was talking smack and putting him off his game? I mean, Vince Williams, gr- underrated assist maker. At VCU, 
but also good defense. Yeah, I, I really like uh, Luca's post game press conference. He 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 was just kind of telling how they were talking trash, and that's why he got the technical and all that. And then at the end of it, he's like, "That guy's a good defender." Yeah, and that was just really cool to hear because Luca's top five in the league in the world. Yeah, and it's cool because Vince Williams was in Connor's uh, TBT here. It's exactly it's it's cool. I look at a guy like Vince. Vince is someone I always liked as a freshman. I mentioned a game against UVA. He played real well against UVA as a freshman. He played really well his sophomore year against LSU at home and Dayton at home when Dayton was number seven in the nation. Uh, his problem is his first two years he always had, he had two, two at least two shoulder surgeries. So yeah. he, he, never, he never felt like he was fully healthy. Junior year was the perfect Robin to the Batman that was Bones Highland. Senior year Vince becomes a first team All A team player. A guy who who. Uh, he trusted the process of being a college basketball, a college athlete, a college basketball player, and I'm glad he's in the NBA. Man, he's on a two, he's a, he's on a two way contract right now. Yeah, he is, and he's just a perfect example yeah, of a VCU player that sticks with the program, and the program develops you from a boy, from a child to a man. And by the time he graduated, he was the man on campus. He's a hooper, man. Great passer. I agree. I'm, I'm happy for him. That's that's good energy, man. Vince is, a, is hooping in the association. That's awesome. All right, now it's time for the Black and Gold Fan Podcast voicemail of the week. Hey, guys. So I've been a VCU fan since about whew, 2011 when I got down to college. And um, the game against Memphis was my the first game I've been to since college. And... It was a blast. There's been a lot of big changes in the Seagull Center that I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, my biggest takeaway and question from that game was being with this new coach and this new regime. How well do you think the offense is looking? Or how do you think the offense is looking? I know you don't want a polished project, obviously, in December. But with the new coach being an offensive guy, I figured the offense would look a little better seemed like we really struggled with set plays and getting to the basket and scoring. And a lot of things were just big plays and athleticism rather than actual offense. Yeah, uh, Mason, thanks for the voicemail. Uh, and that's a really good question. And uh, to answer it, uh, I don't really think we're getting a good look at Ryan Odom's offense, at least yet. Uh, our adjusted tempo is 336 in the country per Kim Palm. <laughs> which is nowhere near where I think Ryan Odom wants to be. Um, you know, when, when he was hired and we heard about his offensive philosophies, a lot, of it, a lot of it was quick transition offense, shoot within the first seven seconds of the shot clock, a la Phoenix Suns uh, <laughs> back in the day. But seriously, um, yeah, I, I just – whether it's personnel, uh, which I think is kind of what the issue is right now, yeah. I, I don't think we're getting – and it's not an issue. It's just he's trying to make best of uh, the current roster uh, construction that we have. But yeah, we're not playing the style that he would ideally play. Right, and I think you, I would compare it to when Robert Sala went from the 49ers to the Jets. Everyone's like, "Oh, the Jets' defense is going to be great," and they weren't great when he first came over because he didn't bring his players with him. Ryan Odom brought Shoga and Bearstow on purpose because the way they know how to run the offense. And Barristow was so good in preseason and the exhibition that when you don't have him, the offense is going to look a lot different. I will say, over the last three games, 
one from my vantage point, I'm always watching the coaches. I love to focus in on Darius Theus because I loved him as a player, and I think he's gaining a lot more confidence as an assistant coach to call out players when they make mistakes and see how they can fix things. But what I've noticed is Ryan Odom is calling a lot more plays now in the last three games. Like the second half against Norfolk State, every play, every time down the court, he was calling a play. It wasn't freestyle offense like it had been. Yeah, I'd say Bearsta. We mentioned it every pod. Hopefully he comes back Saturday, but him just like flash into the like top of the key, passing, shooting, just will open it up a lot. So. Uh, great question, Mason. Um, you make a valid point. I, I, I think offensive guys so far, I, I, and I kind of what Caleb said, I don't think we've seen our best offense yet. And like you said, we no one's expecting a finished product by December. Something I'll, I'll point out, um, you said, you know, is this something you – so far is this – how the, you know, how, the, how the offense is looking. Look at the last three games. Norfolk State, 12 assists to 17 turnovers. That's bad. And there's no way to around that. Memphis, 13 assists to 12 turnovers. Could be better, but, I mean, it's more assists than turnovers. Alcorn State, I understand the team's not a good opponent, but 22 points, 22 assists to 11 turnovers. Something I want to see in the next three games, I want to see that higher assist to turnover ratio, something that the Utah State teams, or I know coach, were very high. That's something that I'd really like to watch in the last three non-conference games prior to conference play. So that's something I want to keep my eye on. This is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, an affiliate of the new sports radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. And we are proud to be presented by River City Roll. Don't call River City Roll just a bowling alley. It is Richmond's entertainment scene with live music, a chef-inspired menu, the pizzas banging, heated outdoor patio, bowling, and more. It also features... Live entertainment Friday and Saturday night with no cover. And there's a really good uh, band that plays on Sundays during brunch. Uh, so if you haven't checked it out today, head to River City Roll and Scott's Edition and tell them Black and Gold Fan Podcast sent you. Let's get to our final thoughts. Caleb, kick us off here. Uh, yeah, my final thought is pretty much related to tempo and what we were just talking about. But I want to see our average possession length, which is currently 18.4 seconds, good for 291st in the country. I want to see that come down. I want to see us play fast, obviously efficiently or hopefully efficiently. But I just, um, yeah, I, I kind of want to get to where we're playing more of Ryan Odom's style. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that we have guys that are capable of doing it. I just don't want us to get into these plays where they get broken down and it's a shot at the end of the shot clock. So uh, that, that's what I'm looking for. My final thought, something I mentioned to Mason's uh Voicemail, I mentioned the whole system turnover issue. That's something on my mind as well. The easy answer is, hey, uh, I want to see Barristow play. Um, I have no control over that. So as soon as he plays, that's something we can discuss more. I'd like to see Kwani Kwani have another good game uh, in these final three games. And he he was someone – December's a huge month for rotations. That's kind of – especially you know, as soon as exams – exams are this week. As soon as exams are done, you got three games. You can kind of you, know, you kind of focus yourself on basketball. And that's a big time. Last year, Shriver had a huge game against Northern Illinois – Gets in rotation for conference play. Nick Kern started to play better in December. Took off an A10 play. If Kwani Kwani is a guy who we we need post present, we need. I mean, he's not a big guy portrayed, but he can play the four at least a little bit or stretch out of the four. If he's a guy who can hit the three ball, he looked like he was like running different. He looked like he was like he had a little more he, like more pep in his step or something. I, he looked he looked better. I felt the same against way against Alcorn State. If he's a guy who can who can you know I'm not expecting him to go four for six from three again, but if he can hit a, a three or two a game. <laughs> Just stretch the defense a little bit. He's someone I'm watching these final three games. Exams are done. Just to kind of continue to get better before conference play. Yeah, I'll take the easy answer. I want to see Bearsta play, and I want to see three W's: Temple, Maryland, Eastern Shore, Gardner Webb. Chris, I was going to say that three three wins is probably what mine should have been. So I'm glad you 
you hit that one. My final thought is uh, I might have some homework here for the stat monster because I'm looking at all of these, you know, scouting report uh, efficiency numbers for offense. What I'm not seeing is fast break points. And I really believe that's what's holding this offense back is that in previous seasons, we've had so many more layups and dunks. I think back to Keyshawn Curry getting a couple dunks here and there, you know, and Bones Highland getting past the defense and getting, we just need easy buckets to go along with the tough shots that we're hitting. Yeah. Our, uh, our steal percentage on defense is 218th. So, so that's mean, probably that, why that, we're not getting that's the, fast the issue. Break points. But Although we are playing pretty good defense on the whole. I mean, um, we have some, like, we have fast breaks, but we don't finish it as yeah, a layup. That's, yeah. That, yeah. that's also you know, that's true. A, that's an interesting point that both y'all bring up because uh, the past few games I've been sitting there with the, the folks I sit with, and we're like, do you remember like back in the day when Briante and Melvin, like if they were ever on a fast break, they would finish. Yeah. Like, I feel like half of them Jake will, will result in a foul. Well, we had well, a two-on-one with Fats last game, exactly. and he got fouled when he had Zeb right next to him. Like, pass yeah, the ball yeah, there. Yeah. Per- perfect example. But, like, those guys would time their steps up, do that little Euro step over thing, let a guy run by him, slow up, uh, and then explode where they couldn't block the shot. They're just really good at it. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. We're, we're missing some transition points. Um, and it, it could be Zeb. Could, could oh, be totally. Zeb. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's, he's more than he had that one. Uh, he tried to oop it versus Memphis, and the guy just re- grabbed up and yeah, intercepted yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. We could be better. So. That's a great thing to. That's a great thing to focus on these last three games. Yeah, yeah break points. That was season two, episode six, of the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, proudly presented by River City Roll. You guys going to River City Roll this week? After the game, get some pizza. Get those good wings. Yeah, over oh, to- the Korean barbecue wings. Yeah. Oh my post game temple. Dang. Yeah. If we win, if we win, I'll go. All right, there we go. All right. Let's go, go Rams. Am I go. going by myself? Well, no, 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 no. I'm always there. <laughs> Same yeah. with me. The question yeah. is, can we get Connor away from his wife? You know? I'm going. <laughs> the Bailey family Christmas is Saturday night, so I'm doing that, and they're uh, they're a little wacky. I'm just you can do a little pregame beer. Do a little pregame beer and a we'll pregame chat. roll. Hey, <laughs> hey, I, it's my dad, John Boogie Bailey. It's his 70th birthday Friday, so if you're at the VCU Temple game. Give him a shout out. Say happy 70th. He's been watching games since uh, since the Franklin Street gym days back I, in the day. I oh. did hear that your dad rocked uh, some bar the other night. W- one, uh, one last plug. Sorry. You uh, you, no, I'm, I'm done. You go ahead. Uh, Adam's there, correct, though. Uh, yeah. ba- bakery tailgate before this Temple game. So Seriously? Uh, yeah, seriously. So if, <laughs> if, um, if you know who I am or don't even know me and want to come, shoot me whatever a dm or I'm on and i'll uh, give you the details i'll chat with my dad about that because we're, we're that's going a black and gold signature oh yeah <laughs> i love that <laughs> yeah tools was great with this band though all right I go guess. rams go we appreciate you listening to the show